where the reservation boundary invisibly bisected a stand of deep brush. Chokecherry, popple, stunted oak. Landro waited. He said he was not drinking and there was no sign later. Landro was a devout Catholic who also followed traditional ways. A man who would kill a deer, thank one god in English, and put down tobacco for another god in Ojibwe. He was married to a woman even more devout than he, and had five children, all of whom he tried to feed and keep decent. His neighbor, Peter Ravitch, had a big farm cobbled together out of what used to be Indian allotments. He tilled the corn, soy, and hay fields on the western edge. He and Landro and their wives, who were half-sisters, traded. Eggs for ammo, rides to town, kids' clothing, potatoes for flour, that sort of thing. Their children played together, although they went to different schools. This was 1999, and Ravitch had been talking about the millennium, how he was setting up alternate power sources, buying special software for his computer, stocking up on the basics. He had even filled an old gasoline tank buried by his utility shed. Ravitch thought that something would happen, but not what did happen. Landro had kept track of the buck all summer, waiting to take it, fat, until just after corn was harvested. As always, he'd give a portion to Ravitch. The buck had regular habits and had grown comfortable on its path. It would wait and watch through mid-afternoon, then would venture out before dusk, crossing the reservation line to browse the margins of Ravitch's fields. Now it came, stepping down the path, pausing to take scent. Landro was downwind, the buck turned to peer out at Ravitch's cornfield, giving Landro a perfect shot. He was extremely adept, had started hunting small game with his grandfather at the age of seven. Landro took the shot with fluid confidence. When the buck popped away, he realized he'd hit something else. There had been a blur the moment he squeezed the trigger. Only when he walked forward to investigate and looked down, did he understand that he had killed his neighbor's son? Landor didn't touch the boy's body. He dropped his rifle and ran through the woods to the door of the Ravage house, a tan ranch with a picture window and a deck. When Nola opened the door and saw Landro trying to utter her son's name, she went down on her knees and pointed upstairs where he was, but wasn't. She had just checked, found him gone, and was coming out to search for him when she heard the shot. She tried to stay on her hands and knees. Then she heard Landro on the phone, telling the dispatcher what had happened. He dropped the phone when she tried to bolt out the door. Landro got his arms around her. She lashed and clawed to get free, and was still struggling when the tribal police and the emergency team arrived. She didn't make it out the door but soon she saw the paramedic sprinting across the field. The ambulance lurched slowly after, down the grassy tractor path to the woods. She screamed some terrible things at Landro, things she could not remember. The tribal police were there. She knew them. Execute him. Execute the son of a bitch, she shouted. Once Peter arrived and talked to her, she understood. The medics had tried, but it was over. Peter explained. 
His lips moved, but she couldn't hear the words. He was too calm, she thought, her mind ferocious, too calm. She wanted her husband to bludgeon Landro to death. She saw it clearly. Though she was a small, closed-up woman who had never done harm in her life, she wanted blood everlasting. Her ten-year-old daughter had been ill that morning, stayed home from school. Still feverish, she came down the stairs and crept into the room. Her mother disliked it when she and her brother made a mess, threw his toys in heaps, dumped them all out of the toy box. Quietly, the daughter took the toys out of the box and laid them here and there. Her mother saw them and knelt down suddenly, put the toys away. She spoke harshly to her daughter. Can you not make a mess? Is it in you to not make a mess? When the toys were back in, she started screaming again. The daughter took the toys out. The mother slammed them into the toy box. Every time her mother crouched down and picked up the toys, the grown-ups looked away and talked loudly to cover her words. The girl's name was Maggie, after her great-aunt, Maggie Peace. The girl had pale, luminous skin, and her hair was chestnut brown. It lay on her shoulders in a sly wave. Dusty's hair had been a scorched blonde, the same color as the deer. He'd been wearing a tan T-shirt, and it was hunting season, although that wouldn't have mattered on the side of the boundary where Landro had shot at the deer.